Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the fraudulent Brent. Oh, what's fra- oh, fraudulent? Is that is it fraudulent? Like, am I... My no, uh no, no fraudulent. You oh, okay. are full of fraud. You're a fraud oh, man. Fraudulent. You're committing oh, fraud. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I thought you were, I was thinking more fragile, bro. I was like, oh, I'm not a snowflake. It was the Please. most obvious adjective I could have used. <laughs> it's in the title of this thing. Yeah. Missed it. It's terrible. Terrible. But you know, what's not a fraud is our announcement, and we have mm. two new patrons that we need to announce. We have Ryan P and Chris, so thank you so much for your patronage. If you want to become a patron and get access to all of our bonus episodes, just head on over to 39 now. 39, indeed. We just recorded our 39th. And uh, just head on over to patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary to become a patron. Along with the bonus episodes, you'll also get access to the uh, Patreon channel on our Discord. And anybody can join the Discord. You don't have to be a patron. And you can head on over to nondarecalledordinary.com to get access to that. That's right. So what is it we're talking about today, Don? Well, today we are continuing our series on election conspiracies, (laughs) specifically those gracing Donald Trump's Twitter timeline. We (laughs) went for the source. We're not going anywhere else. And today we're going to start our conversation by looking at some charts. Oh, yeah. And I believe, Brent, you have something this works, to say this, about that. Yeah, this bodes well, really well for like a um, audio medium here. This is perfect. Oh, yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. So let me show you these charts, guys. OK, so let's let's just get serious. Let's let's all rise. Gentlemen, can you please take off your hats out of respect? This finale to our election conspiracy theory starts with a very important social media post from the 45th president of the United States of America. Quote, look at this in Wisconsin. A day after the election, Biden receives a dump of 143,379 votes at 342 a.m. when they learned he was losing badly. This is unbelievable. It is unbelievable because the conspiracy, you know, it's off to a really bad start. If it took them until 342 (laughs) a.m. to figure out Biden was losing, I think we all (laughs) saw that. Oh, slackers from as soon as they started counting. So they uh, <laughs> they really should have had someone on the ball to, to make sure that didn't happen. Attached to the tweet is a chart titled Wisconsin individual time stamped entries from the New York Times labeled labeling spikes and votes with, quote, data dump, giving Biden 143,379 votes at 342 a.m. And also, quote, Trump was leading above 51% all night and then lost the lead with the data dump. So they point to these um, these spikes here. According to Reuters article, quote, this was because Milwaukee County, home to the largest city in the states of Wisconsin, reported its 170,000 absentee votes, which were overwhelmingly Democrat. See, though, Reuters is forgetting so, the 28th yeah. Amendment that says Milwaukee County's votes only count if they are evenly distributed. Throughout True. the uh, the post-election counting, you can't just do them all at once. It's illegal. Yeah, it's a kind of a, it's yeah distribution. It's a socialist uh, amendment, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Also, five thirty eight told Reuters, "quote These batches were not hundred percent Biden votes." Behind the blue line, there is also a red line representing the thousands of votes Trump gained. There are also a counterexamples where Trump's line shoots up suddenly when a favorable batch of results are reported. 
A day later, Trump tweets out, quote, look at this in Michigan. A day after the election, Biden receives a dump of 134,886 votes at 6.31 a.m., so three hours later. And just, just for the record, if you, if you discover data or votes in your stool, please seek a medical professional immediately. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, but or, you know, also, if you it. are if you're taking one for the conspiracy team, we we, we salute you. Uh, mm, we salute you point. for that for that effort. <laughs> sure. Also, I mean, this is uh, the reason I know that this isn't true is because no Democrat is up at 631 a.m. Right. They don't have jobs. That's a good point. Again, Trump attaches a fancy looking chart similar to the Wisconsin chart. This one is Michigan's individual time stamped entries from the New York Times, which I, I didn't think we were supposed to trust the fake news, but I guess only uh, when Trump uh, tweets the times out. It's OK. OK. That yeah, one. this is something that comes up a lot in the bonus. Yes, uh, a lot does. of trust of the of, mm-hmm. of academia, the news. of yeah. professor, of tenured professors and the liberal <laughs> news media, which is really sad. Yep. How far we have come. The spikes are labeled with, quote, at 6.31 a.m., a vote dump of 149,772 votes came in. Biden received 134,886 votes. That's 96% of the batch. As well as after 6.31 a.m., vote dump. Trump's percentage edge dropped within striking distance for Biden. Striking distance. <laughs> I have to point out here, it, it seems so convenient that only now... Republicans point to charts with spiking data all these years. They blow off the climate change hockey stick graph where it shows us recent rapid rise of global mean temperature. That's fine. Okay, whatever. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately for the election conspiracist, 538 writes, quote, this was due to a tranche of new votes from Wayne County home to Detroit, where Biden led Trump at the time 67 percent to 32 percent. 538 told Reuters this overnight vote increase in Michigan also did not solely consist of votes for Biden. Yeah, of course, there were plenty of Trump votes in Wayne County. That's why the Republicans on the Wayne County Board of Canvassers fought to certify only the Trump votes. They wouldn't have done that. (laughs) That's right. If there were no Trump votes there. So now let's move on to the statistical case against the Biden win. Let's go full math here. Senior advisor to the Trump campaign, Steve Cortez, put out a video where he stands in front of a dry erase board with the words stats case versus Biden. Call me old fashioned. Maybe this is a time of year. I'm just kind of feeling nostalgic, but I really miss the days before the conspiracy dry erase board. One of the brilliant pioneers of conspiracy display, Glenn Beck, paved the way, I think. I mean, he had it was like a chalk and a chalk board. But, you know, times have changed. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it really is. I'm nostalgic for those times, too. Soon, soon the conspiracists, they'll be using like a John King magic wall type scenario. And that's when, you know, the cabal is just taken over. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's so true. Yeah. You know, I want paper ballots, chalkboard conspiracy. That's really (laughs) call me old fashioned. That's what America that's what America was built on. In the video, he claims the voter turnout is way too high for Wisconsin and Milwaukee. Cortez wants to make the case for the statistical improbability of a Biden win by saying that 84% of registered voters turned out in Milwaukee this year, which, quote, defies reasonable explanations. Yeah, a better functioning democracy definitely defies reasonable explanations these days. Yeah, I I mean, I was about to say, given all the voter suppression, I guess he does have a point. That's such a high voter turnout. (laughs) I mean, you know. According to a Washington Post article, what Cortez fails to mention is that in 2016, registered turnout was 80%. So the increase to 84%, far from defying expectations, was predictable, given that turnout in Wisconsin as a whole was about was up about 5%. So, So I mean, so the only thing he left out was the 
was the part that was essentially absolutely essential to his argument. That's no big deal. That's something who cares? <laughs> no. Yeah. An ex Fox News pundit by the name of Harlan Z. Hill put out a tweet with a similar claim about the statistical case against the Biden win. But his focus was more on Minnesota. He says pre-registered voter turnout was higher than 90 percent. However, according to the Washington Post, who ruins everything all the time, quote, what he didn't mention was that an apples to apples comparison to 2016 showed that the same turnout number was almost 91 percent for the entire state and was higher than that in certain counties. In other words, this year's turnout numbers are both believable and historically consistent. See, but th that's the, to me, that's the problem. Believable and historically consistent isn't going to get you likes and retweets. Let's mm, yeah. uh, keep our priorities here. Yeah, I'm still blown away that the statistical case was just look at this big number. It wasn't <laughs> they weren't comparing it to previous no. election numbers. It was just 90 percent. That's too big. Just write a number. It's impossible. Any numbers. It's like just, celebrity jeopardy. Just anything. Just like, look, we all know no one cares about their civic duty. Clearly, that number is too high. But actually, that number is high for a reason. There is a reasonable explanation. And according to known source of good information, Tucker Carlson, that number is so high because dead people voted in the election. Wow. Yes. Scary. And I should clarify because there's a lot of people talking about dead voters. Hmm. But the dead, it's not that the dead are walking the earth and voting. Oh. It's not really dead voters. Instead, people are voting in the name. I feel of the like dead. in this day and age, it's, it's sad you actually have to clear that up. But yeah, I mean, do. because I at first thought this was like a super racist voter fraud claim and that they were saying like their voodoo zombies mm. are showing up at the polls to vote. Oh, right. But no, that is not what's being claimed here. <laughs> now, there is a slight problem, though, with some of these examples that Tucker Carlson himself on his article mentions, quote, statement from Tucker Carlson. As we reported last week, dead Americans voted in this election. We shared a few examples. But on Friday, we began to learn some of the specific dead voters reported to us as deceased are, in fact, alive. Wow. We initially corrected this on Friday. We regret not catching it earlier. But the truth remains, dead people voted in the election. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being one of these people like you can't get a job or a loan or any recognition because the world now thinks you are dead? <sighs> it's like, no, I'm alive. I swear I can work here. Please. You know, it, it's sadly, though, uh, that actually happens uh, last week tonight. <laughs> did a thing about credit reports and there are people who are literally considered dead. Oh man. And they can't, it's been a major hassle for them to fix that. So that oh, is real. That wow. is real. But does the truth remain? It does. It remain the fact that dead people voted. Well, so far, all the examples are either people who are actually alive, as we already mentioned, or simply different people with the same name. That happens a lot of times. Or what happens a lot is the use of 1900 as a kind of placeholder birth year. When, mm. you, when the poll workers didn't know someone's uh, birth year, they would just put in 1900. Mm. It's like a Y2K In the latter problem. case, yeah, it's a Y2K problem, exactly. In the latter case, what people are doing is they're finding people with the same name who were born in mm. 1900. And so they'll be like, this guy is 118 <laughs> years old and he voted. And they're just assuming that that's the guy who placed the vote right. instead of the guy who was born much more recently, uh, who they put 1900 as the placeholder and Georgia state representative, uh, B Wynn actually did a good job of dismantling some of the, some versions of these claims that were put forward in Georgia. So I definitely recommend checking that out, but enough of 
2020, we got to go back in time. Yes. We got to go back in time to 2016 because what makes a Republican conspiracy complete without some whataboutism, mm, specifically regarding the media's treatment of the 2016 election? You know, honestly, the beauty, the beauty of whataboutism for me is as it works for literally anything. It's, it's brilliant if you prefer acting yeah. like a kindergartner over a grown up. But um, that's yeah, fun. I mean, it's. Because what we all know is that hypocrisy is worse than just doing something bad. I mean, that's the one thing, <laughs> you know, um, if, if you do something bad and somebody else did it, it's automatically negated. One example of this is from Greg Gutfeld. Uh, he retweeted the following, quote, brilliant point among the millions of examples of media bias. I'm struck right now by how coverage post 2016 focused relentlessly for years on Clinton supporters and their emotional trauma and resistance efforts. Compared to second class and disdainful treatment of 71 million Trump voters. Because if there's one thing we all know for sure about the media, they didn't run article after article after article about understanding Trump voters and how coastal elites need to leave their bubble to understand these, quote, real Americans. That definitely <laughs> didn't happen after 2016, and it definitely did not happen even after the 2020 election. Oh, this yeah, is never. not something that they're doing over and over and no, over. Again. I've never seen it. And also the best thing about Fox News pundits saying the media in a disparaging way is at the very same time, they brag that they are the most watched media source in the country. Um, they are the media when they want to be, I guess. Yeah, so that's uh, just Fox a- is Schrodinger's media. <laughs> I think it's sure. when, you know, when you're, you know, when you're looking at it, you know, it's not it's either media or not media until you actually look at it. Another angle in this basic what about strategy is that Democrats were just as guilty in 2016 and in 2000 of fighting the election results as Trump is in 2020. Specifically, quote, Gore had 37 days until he conceded. Four justices, RBG included, gave him more time. Clinton joined recount efforts three weeks after the 2016 election. Stop with the hysterics about Trump not yet fully. Yeah, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I definitely remember George W. Bush saying that he won Every single second of every single day. Oh, and not by a little, by a lot. Yes. By a lot. Yeah, he constantly was saying that on uh, Twitter. Uh, Definitely Twitter back in 2000. So on the first two points, the difference in the 2000 election was 537 or 538, I can't remember exactly, votes in Florida, Hmm. which was the pivotal state in the election. So clearly... (laughs) It makes sense to not concede immediately in that scenario, because that's not very many votes. And the person who originally tweeted this, someone brought this to his attention and they respond by saying that this means that there is even more reason now to not concede because the larger difference in votes means that there was an even bigger error. (laughs) Just begging the question uh, as a valid argument tactic. It's beautiful. It checks out. Yeah. And you might have noticed the specific language used regarding Clinton that she, quote, joined Hmm. recount efforts. This is because Clinton did not initiate a recount and conceded in this specific case that she had lost Wisconsin. It was Jill Stein, who was the Green Party candidate, who was pushing a recount in Wisconsin. The Clinton campaign said that they thought there was no reason to, but joined the recount to make sure all sides were represented. So... Saying this had anything to do with conceding or not conceding is just wrong. But enough about 2016. Let's get back to 2020. And we've talked about the dead voters 
But now we need to talk about ghost oh my God. voters. We should have waited ghost to, voters, to on Halloween. Jesus. Yeah, this is definitely Halloween stuff. Yeah, it is. Ghost voters are people who voted but never even existed. What? Which does not no, make sense. It doesn't. <laughs> because ghosts are ghosts of dead people. Better maybe would be demon yes. voters. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, that, that's why I always advocate for a priest to cast out demons mm. um, from each voting booth the day before the election. That's a new thing they're doing. The power of Christ compels you. Your mother votes Trump in hell. Ooh. So that's uh, what happens. Yeah, uh, a priest yep. for every poll. Saw it on PBS. So name whatever we call these folks. Judicial Watch did a study and found that there were 1.8 million registered voters over 29 states who were ghost voters. It's an incredible amount. They determined this by comparing the number of registered voters in a county to the population of that county. So how did this all work? Simple. Judicial Watch took the most recent registered voter data from over 350 counties uh, compared that with the most recent data from the U.S. Census Bureau's American Community Survey from 2014 to 2018. If there were more registered voters in a county than residents, according to the ACS, those were counted as ghost voters. Now, as you can imagine, there were a few problems with this, as the evil Snopes Ugh. has made clear. First, the ACS, as the name suggests, is a survey. So it's already not going to be as accurate as a list of registered voters. It's based on sampling the populations rather than a census. Mm -hmm. Also, 2018, the latest date covered by the ACS is two years before 2020. So, you know, uh, people move and, and things like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry. Oh. I've always thought moving is just a liberal hoax. Ooh, it's a conspiracy, mm -hmm. guys. Come on. Don't believe the lies. I never left that small Midwest town I grew up yeah, in. I'm still uh, that's there. That's true. I also, I still live in North Carolina. So if you see someone mm -hmm. with my name who voted in Michigan, that's another ghost voter to add to the list. Yep. Definitely don't let them vote yep. ever again. We should have him as a guest on the podcast, actually. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. Someday. But personally for me, one of my favorite conspiracies regarding the election was centered on Michigan. Supposedly, a number of Michigan counties had literally 100% voter turnout rates with some even higher, one even reaching 350%. What the fuck? Well, well actually, no. It's it's nice that Wolverines are finally able to get the right to vote in Michigan. Uh, it's about time. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. Uh, Wolverines are now the only legal voters in Michigan. That's how they're going to make gerrymandering oh, okay. <laughs> more difficult because they're moving around. White-tailed deer are out. Yeah, no, no, no. This was all detailed by a IT expert. In an affidavit in known genius L. Lynn Wood's Georgia lawsuit, hilariously, this affidavit was called Exhibit Q, because that's oh, that's, exa on. that's exactly what we <laughs> need. On. But there was sadly, uh, there was a bit of a, there was a bit of a hitch here. The counties mentioned in the affidavit, um, they're not Michigan counties, they're Minnesota counties. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the state initials are only off by one letter, let's not nitpick every little detail yeah we got okay we got a nitpick but also so because this is called exhibit q i think we should rename it where we go michigan we go minnesota i think that really that should be the name of this affidavit <laughs> oh that's good now that you know on its own i mean that's hilarious but that on its own doesn't explain the numbers but it kind of does because in minnesota you can register to vote when you go to vote so on election day 
you can register to vote right there and then. Nice. But these numbers about uh, voter turnout, they're talking about voter registration before the election. So if more people register to vote on election day, you're going to get higher than 100%. Right, exactly. Lastly, all of these counties are tiny. The smallest has 82 residents. Oh my God. And all of them are in deep red parts of Minnesota. (laughs) So if there was fraud, it would have been for Trump. But I mean, let's put all this aside because really the last thing we need to talk about is really, really the final boss of election 2020. Mm -hmm. And that is known freedom fighter, Randy Quaid. Yes. And Brent has more to say about that. Yeah, exactly, Dylan. What what better way to end this episode than to watch a video posted to Twitter by Randy Quaid? I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah, he didn't. I didn't know he was going to be part of this <laughs> no, whole thing, but I'm just he, happy is. he is. Yeah, and most people, you know, they probably remember him from the beloved comedy "Balls Out," Gary and the Tennis Coach. Wait, <laughs> wait, sorry, that's that's the wrong one. Let me look. I'm looking at the wrong list here. Okay, no, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He's Uncle yeah. Eddie. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah, different. yeah, it's different. Yeah, that's a uh, older film. Christmas Vacation, right behind It's a Wonderful Life in my family's mm. traditional Christmas lineup. Yep, classic. Definitely love that movie. First, some backstory on who Randy Quaid is, in case we've all forgotten. He has been in several good films. His first role was in Peter Bogdanovich's The Last Picture Show, which is a great film. And he also starred in Hal Ashby's Last Detail, too, with Jack Nicholson. He was actually nominated for the Best Supporting Actor and Academy Awards for that movie. So, oh, wow. a little fun fact here. Also, more fun facts. Um, he's been in more than 90 films between 1971 and 2009. That is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And besides an Oscar, he was nominated for multiple Golden Globes and Emmys. So, and by this thing, I'm basically he's a better actor than, say, William Defoe. So, I don't know. Yeah, 100%. That's how it works. From 2006 on, things got weird. So, he, he sued the producers of a film he acted in, Brokeback Mountain. Because he said when he signed up for the film, he wasn't told the truth that it was going to be some low budget art house film with no prospect of making any money. So that's um, (laughs) I'm just glad I thought it was going to go a totally different direction. Yeah, like I don't care about identity politics. I'm just trying to make some cash. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. So due to this, he claimed the producers offered him below market rates for his So acting. if I so can I if I can just make sure I understand yeah, yeah. this. So basically they off they offered him less money because they said this was gonna be a shit movie that no one's gonna see. Yeah, that's and what I had he understand. had known it was gonna be a big deal, he would right. have asked for more money. Right. In 2009, Randy and his wife, Evie, were arrested for allegedly defrauding an innkeeper in Santa Barbara, California. I was unaware that inns still existed is, <laughs> yeah. is randy quaid like a character in a super nintendo rpg or something <laughs> he's the final boss <laughs> that's a good point so they were charged uh, for paying ten thousand dollars in expenses or charging this to a fraudulent credit card the following year randy and evie were charged with burglary after they occupied a guest house in a vacant home that they used to own in santa barbara yeah it was some if i if i remember correctly it was some it was almost like some sovereign citizen kind of thing where they said yeah. no we never really sold it right uh, so it's actually really our house right exactly yeah that's how they argued it there were warrants out for their arrest after they failed to appear in court due to this they forfeited their bail but unfortunately, after this, the Quaid crime family requested asylum in Socialist Canada. So mm. that's an interesting move. They said they feared for their lives in the U.S. According to an article in The Independent, quote, they claimed that they were targets of a shadowy network named the Hollywood Star Whackers, who they said had murdered eight 
of their friends in recent years. Quaid and his wife claimed that actors David Carradine and Heath Ledger were killed by the shadowy network. Ooh. Dylan, I don't, I don't know if you know this, Dylan, but do you know who's the most dangerous shadowy network in the film industry now, since basically the UK is a new Hollywood? Mm-mm. It's um, the Hollywood star wankers. They're even oh. worse. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If any of our uh, UK listeners can confirm if the Hollywood <laughs> star wankers are afoot, please, please let us know. Please let us know. If you can, if you feel safe. Canadian border authorities arrested the Quaids for their outstanding warrants in the U.S. He was later granted bail. Quaid was arrested yet again while living in Montreal in 2013 for not checking in as a non-resident. So then the next year in 2014, the Quaids sued the U.S. State Department for revoking their passports back in 2011. So come 2015, Randy Quaid had exhausted all legal appeals in Canada. He was going to be deported, but just a week before his deportation date, the Quaids fled Canada back into the United States. And where would this conservative Trumpist make his new home? Well, Vermont, the home of socialist Bernie Sanders, of course. Mm-hmm. But actually, this whole this whole ordeal should just have been, you know, the new National Lampoon's vacation. I think it's, it would have been actually even funnier. So. Yeah, way, 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 way funnier. And also, yeah. I what I find funny is I didn't know that you could flee to one country. So they mm. fled to Canada. Yep. They were denied residency there. Fled back. And then they fled back. Yes. To the U.S. I thought fleeing was kind of a one-way street. They were met at the U.S. border by U.S. Customs, which is customary. And of course, the couple was detained pending an extradition procedure that was ordered by the state of California. On review of the California case, the Vermont judge found issues with it. The Quades were released and allowed to stay in Vermont with stipulations, according to the judge. One of these stipulations was that the Quades were not to leave the state or they could risk arrest. Despite this judicial order, they vacationed in California and were not arrested. Though I, I have to say, I feel like Randy Quaid vacationing is a little on the nose here. Yeah, definitely on the nose. National Lampoon's privilege <laughs> vacation is, I think, the uh, the vacation Quaid is going True. on right now. So but anyway, let's rewind back to 2015 during all of this chaos. This is where the Quaids begin their love of creating very weird videos to post online. In this video, Randy says, quote, I've helped Warner Brothers Entertainment and News Corp well over a billion dollars for their films Independence Day and Christmas Vacation. What did I get in return? A Warner Brothers exec Bruce Berman stole my house. And News Corp in the New York Post continues to smear me to high heaven with a pack of lies. For good measure, Warner Brothers even had my wife and I falsely arrested six times by TMZ. No, for real. That's really how it works. Hashtag PMC. Police, media, corruption. Boom. Rupert, you want to fuck me? I'm going to fuck you. (laughs) Wow. I was unaware that Randy Quaid lived under TMZ's jurisdiction. (laughs) I did not know they had the power to arrest. Scary one. It's 30 miles on. That's what it stands for. I didn't know that, actually. It seems like their their show would be a lot easier if they Mm. had arrest power. Yeah. uh, You know, when they confronted celebrities. Right. That would be better. He then asked his wife, Evie, who's just, you know, just been chilling in the background in a bikini the whole time in this video, um, to put on the Rupert Murdoch mask. And then he, I guess, simulates having sex with her from behind. It's intense. Wow. wow. Rupert Murdoch responded to the video by making a couple hundred million dollars that year. So that's a good response. Oh, man. Owned. He was (laughs) owned. Damn. So this is just one of the multiple videos Randy Quaid has put online over the last decade. So this this will catch us up now to last month's video when President Trump retweeted Randy Quaid's newest newest uh, work of art. 
The video is Randy with his massive white beard extremely close to the camera with green and red lights flashing very quickly, which I thought actually I have to admit, I thought it was kind of festive, really. I mm-hmm. mean, just the season yeah. after all. The fact that he looks exactly like Santa Claus it makes it even more festive. So yeah, that's the, the video reminded me like if Santa did ecstasy and held a North yeah. Pole rave. <laughs> that's what it <laughs> would look like. The red and green flashing <laughs> back and forth. So in the, in the um, video, he says, quote, Fox News daytime ratings have completely collapsed. Weekend daytime, even worse. Very sad to watch this happen. But they forgot to win. They forgot what made them successful. What got them there? They forgot the golden goose. <laughs> the only difference between the 2016 election and 2020 is Fox News. Mm. Which I think is true. Yeah, it's the only difference. Global pandemic. So sorry about that. But yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Also, the election turned out differently. That's another difference. Quaid posted this video with the caption... Quote, time to make OAN and Newsmax rich. Fox is dead to me. Mm. So Quaid soon to be Newsmax primetime pundit. So can't wait. So the same day Trump retweeted this bizarre video from Quaid, he posted another four other tweets from him, as one would. Mm. One tweet read, quote, never underestimate the greatest president this country has ever had. Trump is an astonishing man of the people fighting for all of us, not big pharma. Amer- hashtag America first hashtag CAG hashtag Trump Pence 2020 hashtag stop the steal 2020. Yeah, I found the the big pharma thing weird because I think Trump's Adderall prescription would probably uh, hmm. probably dispute that Trump replied, quote, thank you, Randy, working hard to clean up the stench of the 2020 election hoax. Just the smell. He's only worried about the smell. Yeah. And also, sorry, sorry, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Randy Quaid has spoken. Yeah, we have to uh, <laughs> keep that into account. Another Quaid tweet retweeted by our president said, quote, I just don't see Americans rolling over for this election fraud. Do you? And of course, President Trump replied, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Great no. response. And so uh, with that oh wonderful Randy Quaid tweet, we are done with part two of our election conspiracy series and the entire series itself so brent what did you learn in this series what most stood out to you well honestly the oh god what is where do we even begin um the dead voter thing on this on this one was really um, like you said i think in the last episode it would be really beneficial if people like chose their words correctly because it's just getting really annoying um and dumb please stop saying the word dump that's just i mean just <laughs> aesthetically not pleasing <laughs> please um no i don't know i i think most of the stuff i mean if you listen to our bonus episode the dominion that we don't even really deal with it on this but the whole dominion thing is interesting um the whole voting system electronic you know conspiracy is a whole nother beast so you have to check that out but i don't know for me it was it was mostly the dead people voting and uh, of course, the long part we just talked about, Randy Quay was nice. Yeah. But it's all just a bunch of tweets. It's all just, if you look at President Trump Twitter feed, it's like every, I don't know. I mean, every day there's about 40 tweets or 50 tweets and it's just yeah. endless. So it's that executive I it's time. I think it should stop. 
Honestly. Yeah, it should probably yeah. stop. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it's uh, time to stop this. Yeah. What about you? What did you, um, what so did you grab from all this? I, I definitely, for me, the thing that stood, that stood out here is Randy Quaid. I did not, yeah. <laughs> I did not expect <laughs> Randy Quaid to make an appearance <laughs> in all this. Um, I, I think the main thing with all this is really maybe we can figure out a system where we more evenly distribute the votes. Uh, maybe make mm-hmm. that uh, a thing for the county because I mean that was the whole thing was we counted, especially in uh, in Michigan and Pennsylvania, especially we counted the mail-in ballots last. And I think that whole thing is really the source of all this. Right. Uh, and so maybe Which we can figure out, I don't, you know, I don't know. Wasn't that something that the Republican like legislation passed right before? 100%. Yeah, so it was almost like it was, uh, uh, was them. It was almost like they made that happen. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They did make it happen. And Trump <laughs> told, told us all about supporters it. not to vote right by mail. And so I, I think that I don't know, that should be something to work on. Maybe figure out some system where we don't count votes that way, you know, to avoid all these stupid conspiracies, because I think that's yeah. really what did it is people just could not grasp that Democrats were more likely to vote yeah. mail in because they actually believe, you know, uh, Science. people are getting sick. Yeah. And that the Republican legislatures made sure those votes were counted last. That's that's why we're doing I mean, this episode. A, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you you can tell how you can see how people, you know, Republicans just I mean, you know, you can see how they would be concerned or whatever, because I mean, for even us, like, you know, we did the live stream and it, as much as I knew where Democrats were coming in or the Democrat votes were coming in later and maybe even the next day and the next day, I was still I'm not going to lie in a bit of a depressed freak out mode because it's just. Oh, yeah the visceral night of the election you're seeing just like Trump, just like <laughs> winning everything like, Holy shit. And yeah. Um, yeah. But so you can see how you can get how they could immediately think that, but it's, you know, it's, it's obviously you got to actually have, you know, evidence for claims. That's just kind of the way it works. And all the court cases are gone. So Yeah. I think they're at like 60 losses nearly. <laughs> uh, so with, you know, with 60 losses in the courts, <laughs> Yes. Uh, this ends our series on election 2020 conspiracies. And with that, we, we are. Thank you for listening to this episode of None Dare Call It Ordinary. If you would also like to hear our weekly bonus episodes, just become a $5 a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. That is also where you'll find any blog posts, pictures, and news updates to go along with our regular series. And you don't even have to be a patron to get access to all that fun stuff. You can also reach us by email at none dare call it ordinary at gmail.com. Lastly, we ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.